This, the Chad and Cheese podcast brought to you in partnership with TA Tech. TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Visit tatech.org. Chad, why do recruiters spend money on unqualified or uninterested candidates? Dude, I don't know because they're recruiters. What in the hell are you talking about in the first place? All right, stay with me here. PPC campaigns mean you're paying per click. And the person who clicks could be qualified or unqualified. You don't know, and you're still going to pay for that click. Hell, man, a subscription model is even worse because you're paying for all of the candidates, not necessarily qualified ones. Bingo. So the answer is current pricing models suck. Duh. So what if you handed over cash for only interested and qualified candidates? Ah. And I'm talking about candidates that are actually qualified. The ones that meet all of your job requirements from years in an industry to specific skills. I gotcha. Now you're talking about uncommon. Bingo. Uncommon is where the model does not suck. Uncommon is simple. You set your monthly budget and uncommon only charges you when you get an interested applicant that meets or exceeds your job requirements. That's U-N-C-O-M-M-O-N dot C-O. Uncommon dot C-O. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Yeah. Yo, yo, yo. It's an uncommon exclusive. That's right. Got the Chad in cheese this week. Guess what, guys? We're talking to Josh Z. Wayne. Josh Z. Wayne, VP of Marketing from Don't Smash call him Fly. Bruce. Don't call him Bruce Zwayne. Uh, Jay-Z. Wayne's world. Call, call him Jay-Z. Party that's, what his, that's what his friends call Excellent. him. Excellent. We might not be friends yet, but too bad. I'm calling you Jay-Z. Uh, VP of Marketing from Smashfly. Welcome, Jay-Z. What's up, Josh? Okay, so so give us a little bit about Jay Z. You haven't always been at Smashfly. What what actually brought you to this point in your career? How how, how did you how did you make it to this pinnacle? How'd you get lucky enough to be in the employment industry? <laughs> yeah. So I've got a yeah I've got a really screwed up kind of meandering path to here. Um, I actually was a journalism major in college and had, you know, dreams of being a sports illustrator writer. I want to be Rick Riley, basically. Um, so I got into that industry and, and found out really quickly that it pays nothing uh, and, and that the industry itself was just in a total nosedive um, and tried to get out of that uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, ended up going to work for CBS in a worse job uh, as a copywriter for a radio station. Um, so you talk about picking two absolutely dead industries. I was I was excellent at that, and uh, and then just decided after that we uh, oddly enough and totally kind of serendipitous we found out my wife was pregnant with twins and we were living in Boston at the time. Um, and uh, Boston's not a great place if you have two little kids and two working parents. Uh, you basically just sacrifice one salary for. It's never really a great place. No, no, that's true. So we ended up. Yeah, we actually ended up. You know, as stupid as this sounds, we both ended up quitting our jobs. My wife was an attorney. Um, and moving from Boston to the Detroit area where she was from. Um, and rather than go to work for CBS out in Michigan, I started my own company um, kind of as a freelance writer at first. 
um, somehow that progressed into um, me helping a venture capital firm called OpenView uh, build out its its content marketing um, machine. And this was way back in 2010 before that was a big thing, um, which kind of led me down the path to marketing. And long story short, uh, Smashfly was one of the companies that OpenView had invested in. They were looking to hire uh, a marketer on their team, um, had asked me if, if I knew anybody and ended up raising my hand. And, and that's kind of how I fell into this, to be honest. So, yeah, with you. I know somebody, me. Right, me. exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, whether that was smart or not, you know, good debate, but yeah. I guess we'll find out. Well, for the future CMO of Smashfly, I'm going right. to say it's probably pretty good. Oh, you hear that, Tom. Make sure Tom, Tom Kenny hears that. Now, my question is, as a marketing guy, would you have named any company Smashfly? I mean, was Smash Cockroach taken at the time? Yeah. And honestly, we had, uh, I think, still in a closet somewhere at Smashfly HQ is uh, there's some fly swatters that we would send out to the customers <laughs> early on. And, and it's... <laughs> oh, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not on board with the fly swatters, but... Yeah, nobody was on board with that. I'm on board with it. I can spell both of those pretty easily. Joel, he's yeah. he's, he's got to have something simplistic like in D or something, right? <laughs> yeah, because Fly is so complicated. Uh, for those who don't know Smash Fly, Josh, give us the elevator pitch on what you guys do. Yeah, so Smash Fly, um, you know, started originally as um, came out of you know really the need to have a job distribution tool way back seven eight years ago. Uh, evolved into kind of a rec- recruitment marketing platform um, that wasn't a thing when we were founded, but it's a thing now, um, obviously. I think it's trending more toward uh, the system, the core system being the CRM. Um, so Smashfly is obviously kind of really hangs its hat and, and uh, its its anchor on the CRM. But we build career sites for companies, power the back end with a content management system. Uh, we have an events module, uh, obviously Emerson, which I think we're going to be talking about as our recruiting assistant. It's really everything that uh, that a company needs to market its, its opportunities to talent uh, ahead of an opening, ahead of a need. Um, so you can kind of build pipelines and, and and uh, build up uh, talent pools that you can you can kind of go from or, or pull from it instead of just relying on job boards and a horrible ATS application process. <laughs> so from job distribution to CRM mm-hmm. to RMP to chatbot having chatbots i mean this is there's a there's a a lot of uh evolution that's happening but i mean you guys actually just switched ceos here what like in the last six eight months or so um have you seen and and obviously you're going to say something incredibly good because uh because uh tom's listening um but what what was the big difference between the vision of kind of like of old versus the new vision with uh, Tom and crew. Yeah, so I think it's, you know, and you can call BS on this, but it's, it's a true story. Um, Mike Hennessy was our founder and um, came from Brass Ring. I uh, was the chief architect over there uh, before he founded Smashfly. And Mike is, is truly like an innovator, kind of a, um, an idea guy who's great at kind of seeing a hole in a market or a need that could be filled and going and building that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what Mike recognized, and he came up, I think he said this in the press release that we issued um, at the time, and Mike's still active with the business. Um, but he recognized that there's there's a point at which uh, the idea guy needs to kind of pass the baton to somebody who's much more operationally minded and can take the business and scale it. Um, and, and that's really Tom's background. So Tom doesn't come from the industry, um, but has uh, worked for two companies, one that IPO'd and um, one that was uh, acquired um Right before he joined Smashfly, actually, uh, Vista Partners, I believe, who just invested in iSense. But within this short amount of time, what is being the yeah. big difference? The one big difference between having Tom as the CEO and the new vision Smashfly? Yeah, so I think it's no uh, it's no secret that our 
you know, our market has matured quite a bit and it's a lot more competitive. There's a lot more companies that um, are both focused on recruitment marketing and, and, you know, CRM specifically. But there's a lot of fringe technologies as well, as well that I think create some confusion in the market. So there needs to be a very clear go-to-market plan for, for how we're going to continue to develop the platform, but, but what niche we're going to carve out and where we're going to focus our, our time and effort. Um, Tom has a, a very strong technology background as well. So when you talk about, I think, uh, the, the two different uh, maturity phases for a business, when you're, when you're just kind of playing around with an idea and you're trying to kind of test that idea and see if there's, there's a market for it, um, there's a lot of experimentation that can go on and you can kind of bounce between uh, different ideas and just play with different things. When you get to the point where the market kind of accepts the technology and is ready, uh, you're ready for scale, there's a whole different operational process that needs to be put in place for the business. Um, and, and that's, you know, the, the, the technology's ability to scale. It's um, our internationalization or kind of our global expansion. Um, Tom had a lot of really key experience there that, that Mike, you know, maybe didn't have or didn't see in himself and, and was happy to kind of pass the baton off. So Mike still kind of acts as our, as our internal R&D and, you know, still works with our team to, to develop some things. Hey, Josh, I'm going to switch gears off of Smashfly for a second, but uh, I'm really interested in your analytics product. And anyone who offers analytics has a real insight into sort of what's going on in aggregate in terms of traffic and where, where things are really happening. And, and Chad and I talk a lot on the show about, you know, Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and, and how, how much in trouble some of the job boards are. I'm curious, what are you seeing uh, trend-wise from your analytics in regards to what sources uh, are coming up in terms of candidates for companies? What trends do you see? Yeah. So I think, you know, this, this won't be a shock to you guys. And I think it's only going to continue, but we've seen a lot more um, as Google for Jobs has kind of taken taken root and and more traffic is kind of being directed organically to career sites, um, we're starting to see a lot more traffic. And, and it's still, you know, the Indeeds and the career builders of the world still drive a ton of traffic to our customers' career sites. Um, I, I don't think that's going to change. There's still a lot of traffic being driven by niche job boards. Um, but Google's the 800 pound gorilla that's going to continue to get bigger. So, um, you know, if I were indeed, I'd be very concerned. I know it was part of your podcast last week. Um, everything looks rosy for them now, but I'd be really curious in six months or a year to see if that's still the case. Um, I think it's going to compound from Google specifically. Yeah. And, and do you think that uh, a lot of the, the niche traffic that you're starting to see some of the, some of the, the rise in that traffic might be due to them doing much better in the search results in Google now, since Indeed doesn't own all the damn search results? Yeah, I think it's... Well, you guys know Google has always been interested in quality traffic mm -hmm. and, and traffic really um, being directed, really shortening the line between um, the organic source of the root source of the content and the end user. So rather than directing them through three different channels to get to ultimately the place that they wanted to get to in the first place... How do you how do you shorten that that distance? Um, the thing with the niche job boards that I think where I think there's huge opportunity there, I, and I don't see a huge um, opportunity with job boards generally, especially the larger ones. I think they're going to continue to struggle. Um, but those niche job boards um, with so much focus placed on quality right now, they can deliver that right. There's they have an understanding of whatever market they're serving, and the people are there because they know that that jobs are going to be directed specifically toward them. Um, so I think for 
the end user for the candidate, obviously there's, it's a much better experience and the content's much, much higher quality. Um, but then the traffic being directed to the, uh, to the, the end career site or the end destination, I think is, is obviously much more targeted. What are you seeing aside from the analytics piece, you guys do a lot of work in branding. How is branding changing for companies? I mean, with, with chat bots and things like that, branding seems to be taking on a whole new life of its own. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah. So I think, you know, and this is where branding, you know, to, to a certain degree, marketers still screw this up. <laughs> um, and I think in a lot of ways, talent acquisition and, and recruitment marketing, um, employer branding are, they, they follow the tail of marketing. Um, but a lot of marketers even today still isolate, quote unquote, brand to colors, logos, um, you know, taglines, that kind of stuff. And it's, that's part of brand. But to me, brand is, is really a company's full experience and story. And it's, it's everything related to um, someone's engagement or interaction with that, that company. Um, so to me, it's, you know, employer branding and, and recruitment marketing really has to do with um, that entire experience for, for a company. So it's great. You can have a beautiful career site. Um, but as soon as you dump a candidate into the ATS apply process, that whole thing breaks, right? And all of a sudden, a candidate goes from having a very positive perception of a brand to um, maybe a, a, a negative one. Um, so for me, it's looking at the entire experience that someone's going to have with the company um, from their very first introduction to it all the way through um, what that experience looks like as an employee. So um, you know, that could be onboarding, it could be employee engagement, it could be internal mobility, that kind of stuff. But to me, that's all inclusive, uh, inclusive of brand. Um, and I hope that the market starts to kind of view brand that way, as opposed to brand being, um, you know, designing a pretty career site or just slapping a chatbot on the on the front end and hoping that fixes some small part of it. Chatbot, 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 for goodness sakes. Right. Let's talk chatbot, right. shall we? Let's, let's, let's dive into chatbots real quick. So let's talk about what a chatbot can do. And you guys just released your recruiting assistant chatbot named Emerson, which Joel loves because he's so he mad went, about all these, female, all these female, all these female chatbots. Mad. <laughs> I'm not mad. He is, he is furious with They're all just, of these Email hey, chat you guys, you guys zigged when everyone was zagging. Like that's good. Yeah. Well, so we, I know. I think what we saw too, right, is um, there was some when we think about the name itself. There was a lot that kind of went into that. But um, you know, we thought it was a little unfair. And our head of product, Carla Toiloy, um, really planted her flag in the ground on this. Um, but her point was that you know, why does an assistant always have to be female, right? Like, why can't it be male? Um, or and somewhat androgynous too at that. Like Emerson as a name was it was somewhat purposeful because it can be male or female. Um, you can really interpret it however you want. We're still waiting for Pat. Pat. The chat right, bot. Exactly. The Pat bot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The other like this is a, a really subtle feature uh, that's part of Emerson. But uh, all any company that that implements Emerson can change the the persona. They can change the name. They can change the face. They can do whatever they want. So um, Emerson is the one that we kind of stuck with. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson was uh, born in Boston, died in Concord, Mass, which is where our headquarters are, mm. and had kind of a transformationalist uh, view of the world. And that's kind of how we operate too. So there was some some thought process there, but. You know, I agree with you, Joel. I think it's, you know, there was a lot of female uh, recruiting assistants and chatbots and some that weren't male or female and just straight up bots. Um, we thought there was kind of a window to 
differentiate a little bit there. So that's the recruiting assistant side of the house. There, there's just so much more you can use chatbots for. So this is this is the first segment, right? Being able to help recruiters, be a recruiting assistant. Um, what about the candidate side on the website? Being able to uh, handle uh, applications via text uh, or messaging. I mean, are you guys looking at all those different aspects? Is is that kind of too far for for what you guys are doing right now? Or, or you know, what's next on the chatbot horizon for for Smashfly? Yeah, and this is why I think like I, I don't usually get very far when I try and make my argument that um, a, a recruiting assistant is different than a chatbot. But I do fundamentally believe that they're different things. Um, a chatbot to me is very binary and has kind of a very um, static or myopic um, purpose. Um, a lot of them today are very focused on jobs. So it's, it's, it's just returning jobs or it's helping somebody apply for a job. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That, that serves a part of the market and serves a need. Um, the way we view it is um, how do you turn this thing into an assistant and not, not just an assistant for candidates on the front end. So helping them kind of answer questions and find jobs and schedule interviews and, you know, understand what the interview process is going to look like. But for recruiters as well, um, you know, the, the challenge with all of the great technology that's in our space and all the innovation that's that's kind of happening is you create this uh, clustered mess for large enterprises where, you know, they might have 15, 20 tools. And in some cases, a lot more. Um, we've got one customer who has, you know, I think 35 different technologies that they use as part of their stack, uh-huh. which is just, yeah, it's just a horrendous thing to try and tame. Um, and then to be able to pull the data from all those things um, and make sense of it all is, is really difficult. So, um, but, you know, the biggest challenge is adoption. So um, it's great that you have all these tools and they might be the best, but are your recruiters going to use them? Are your sourcers going to use them? Are they actually helping those people solve real problems in their day-to-day workflow? And that's that's kind of how we thought through this whole system thing. So to answer your question, Chad, like I, I think there's no limit to like how we're thinking about this, you know, where, where this could be applied and how it could be used. Um, but it's very much focused on how do we make things simpler um, for not just the candidates on the front end, but the recruiters on the back. So I'll make a, I'll make a quick plug for our uh, interview with the uh, ISIM CEO, Colin Day. I believe, remind me, Chad, I, I'm pretty sure he said our biggest competition yes. is clutter, Always. like trying to cut through the clutter. And I think that's what Josh is sort of saying. Uh, with some of these products and services out there, but sticking on chat box, uh, chat bots, Chad, considering it's such a cluttered mess uh, in, in this week's show, you know, Chad and I talked about Emerson specifically and how this thing was going to be commoditized that, you know, all services like yours are just going to have their own chat bot or maybe buy up some of the ones in a garage sale that are out there. What are, <laughs> I want to know what your thoughts are on my commoditization theory and, and what inevitably is going to happen to all the, the other standalone solutions like Maya and Olivia and Alio. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a natural progression for for any of these types of technologies, right? There's a few core systems in any market and I come from marketing. So um, you think about marketing automation, um, there are a lot of tools that, um, you know, serve a purpose independently and kind of on their own um, when they're founded, but eventually just get wrapped up into the larger platform. So um, either, either integrating with them. So Salesforce has been great about obviously creating this ecosystem where all these different new technologies can plug in. Um, but I think that's the case in our, in our industry as well. I think you're right that, you know, ultimately all the big players in our industry, whether it's us or you get even bigger into the work days, SAPs, Oracle's of the world, 
it's going to be something that they have and it's going to be something that they're all going to need. Um, and there will be an acquisition spree at some point. But I think that's, again, that's, I don't think that's unique to chatbots or recruiting assistants or anything like that. I think you'll probably see that with, with a lot of the different kind of, I don't, I hate to call them point solutions, but the smaller systems that, you know, really aren't uh, the core systems that teams operate out of. Out of. So I, I do think there, there'll be consolidation, there'll be commoditization at some point. I just don't think it's going to be as soon as maybe you make it sound. I think it, we're a few years a few years away from that, um, and I still think there's an opportunity to you know. And this is well, our own belief. You know, you can feel free to disagree, but I think there's an opportunity still to differentiate between you know a chatbot that can do very simple, basic automation and a recruiting assistant that's that really is designed to be a little bit more flexible and adaptable to. To, to kind of needs. I think we probably agree more than we disagree on that yeah. point. What do you think, yeah. Chad? So I think the question is, do you believe chatbots are bigger than SEO? Are you asking me that or Joel to defend his position? Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I know, I know what Joel's position is on this. Do you think chatbots and what chatbots can actually do for process and for, I mean, just for systems overall is bigger than SEO? So I think it's, I don't know if I'd use the word bigger, but I think it's different because SEO, where SEO is kind of unique, uh, is that there really was one winner there. Um, you know, obviously Bing and Yahoo still exist, but what is it like five, ten percent of website traffic um, is directed through there? Um, yeah, but in our industry, if you take a look at our sure. industry, right? How many SEO? How many SEO right. platforms were there out there, and which ones actually sold? Versus how many chatbot platforms are out there today, and how many do you think are actually going to be sold? Yeah. So I'll ask the question differently. Jobs to web sold for a hundred some million dollars to SAP. Is are any of these chatbots going to sell for more than a hundred million dollars? I'm going to go. I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. Oh. And there's going to be more than just one. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, I do think that because I think again, <laughs> and I know Chad, you made this point on the last podcast. The the real key difference here is that SEO is something that can be kind of engineered to a certain point, and at some point, it you get to a point where there's not much more you can do. Um, now, there's more you can do than than somebody else, but. But the the actual functionality is uh, reaches a point where it's somewhat static. Like there's there's not much further you can push it. Um, in fact, the further you try and push it, sometimes you make it worse. So in this industry, chatbots are definitely going to be bigger than SEO. I got to get on to my next question, Josh. So I think I think so. Yes. Yeah. Smashfly has really changed from a build to a partner kind of scenario. We've seen this with Olivia, and then obviously hiring solved. And so, can you give us kind of like an idea of what you see? happening with different platforms like like Smashfly, who instead of trying to develop technology for every single gap that's out there, look to actually partner and why that is what we're seeing more often than actually the builds happening. Yeah. So I think it's that the question comes down to, right? Like if you, um, any product that you buy, do you want a company to try and do everything marginally okay? Um, or would you rather focus on whatever its its core value is extraordinarily well and then find the other pieces that that plug in and, and make sure that those pieces are the best of the best right so for example apple when it developed the iphone um, it could have gone and built its own camera it had plenty of engineers it could have figured out how to build a camera um, or it could have gone and figured out how to build processors but it didn't do that because there were already companies that were extraordinarily good at building really small cameras and really quick processors so it just used those companies to help kind of build its hardware. Um, I think the same thing is 
should happen. I'm not going to say that it will happen with every company, but in our industry, there's so much good technology and so much um, good functionality that's out there. I just don't know how the hell you get your hands on it as a as a buyer um, or how you figure out whose thing is better than another. Um, what we're pretty good at, and I think we have um, our VP of business development, Lynn Foster, is, is really honest, I think one of the best at this, is just really understanding the market and being able to identify the opportunities for us um, to, to partner with companies like Paradox or Hiring Solved or whoever um, and, and get their tech fully integrated into ours. And that lets us focus on what we're really good at uh, and, and lets them kind of innovate as well alongside us. So that way, as, as those companies continue to develop and get better at what they do, we can do the same with our core technology um, and then work on things that we think are maybe a little bit tangential to what we do, but, but get better, get better at them. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to happen more. Um, I don't know that every company will buy into it. Some companies still just think the best thing to do is build. So Josh, take me into the, uh, the smash fly war room for a second where the, you know, the dry erase board resides and what, what is the next big thing in this industry in terms of, you know, what you guys are talking about in that war room? What are the next partnerships you want to either build or what kind of products are the next things you want to introduce and bring to your, bring to your customers? Yeah. So I think you guys, you guys have two. Uh, sponsors, I believe, who are in this space, and I think this is a you know maybe an obvious answer, but programmatic is one. Um, you know, I think for for us, you know, we have we've had a job distribution tool, but to a certain degree, that has limited functionality in a world of programmatic. Um, so I do think programmatic is is an area where you know could we invest and could we try and build something that is marginally okay? We probably could. But why do that when there's the uncommons of the world or I think job edX is maybe another one that you guys work with. Yep. You know, I think assessments um, and really kind of like, I think there's a very large difference in the quality of assessment tools out there. Um, some of them provide very basic functionality that, you know, look like an assessment, but really add no value to the, to the company long term. And then there, there are kind of um, these really deep psychological assessment tools that tell you a lot about how someone thinks, um, how they operate, you know, to a certain degree, um, what someone's writing style um, and, and how they write uh, tells you about how they how they work. Um, there's a lot of kind of investment into machine learning there to process all the data um, that comes from um, candidate engagement. You know, so if, if somebody, if a candidate has a conversation with our recruiting assistant, for example, um, there's a lot more that they're willing to share in that conversation than they might be uh, as if, if they fill out a talent network form or a, an application. So I think processing that data and trying to look for some sort of indicator around what that person is like, truly, um, and, and what they will look like as an employee, um, there's, there's a lot that, be, that can be mined from that um, that you can't get from traditional applications and and form fields. So. so you're saying the the second life comeback isn't coming anytime soon. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, Joel, you're you're, you're half horse, whatever that thing is called, uh, avatar is is not coming back, man. I'm in a dance party right now. <laughs> Thank you very much. So talking about machine learning now, Smashfly has has partnered with Google, right? Are you guys using the the uh, job search API? Yep. So we have um, I can't say which customer, but we have a customer um, finishing up. Uh, beta right now. Uh, it's a, a really large, you know, fortune, let's say fortune 50. So I don't, you know, isolate it too much, but um, huge, huge, massive employer that, you know, was a great test case for us because of the amount of data and the, and the volume of searches that they get. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been pretty remarkable to see the difference. So yeah, we're, we're partnering with them there. I know that 
um, the Google Profiles API also is something that you know we've explored and looked into. Um, but yeah, it's there, there's a few different um, things Google and and outside of Google that we're looking at with machine learning. Well, that being said. Just as you bring up the candidate search, you know, we're seeing companies, I mean, who are specific to to actually building that kind of technology like CareerBuilder. Google's going to do it better than we do it. Um, and knowing that Smashfly is more on the focus of, of partnering versus building, especially when you've got an organization like Google who's going to do it better no matter what. Yeah. Uh, is do you see Smashfly and some of your clients? And I would assume that they're going to, the clients are probably going to choose this more than anything else. Sure. Do you see Smashfly going full Google? Uh, yes. And I, I would say that it's, it, Google is one of those no brainer situations, right? Where, especially when it's, um, it's Google and search, uh, there's no reason to try and replicate or recreate what they've done. Um, so I think it's it's you know smart for Google to get into this space. Um, I just don't know why you try and fight that stream. You know, I, I think it just makes too much sense, and they're too good at search to really screw around with with trying to fight up against that. So well, then the matching piece, right? Because you've right. got the the jobs API, then you've got the the what I like to call the people API or the candidate API uh, to be able to mold those together, same tech. Then you start matching. Right. Uh, that's pretty damn powerful, not just from the standpoint of being able to provide uh, side periphery searches and whatnot, but also uh, being able to provide emailing and, and things of that nature that's more relevant than what you can do today. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, you know, again, um, what Google is extraordinarily good at is surfacing the most relevant information, no matter what. Um, so in our in our industry, in our use case, obviously, that could be people, could be jobs. Um but I think it's the key here, obviously, is, um, you know, we've, we've got search functionality built within our platform and, and also on any career site that we build. Um, I think it works really well uh, or pretty well. But when you stack it up against Google, it's, you know, it's hard to really do better than, than they do. So, again, this is where... Going to get smart. Yeah, this is where... Yeah, exactly. And I think this is where, to your point, customers are going to help us make that decision very easy. I'd be shocked if the market in two years... Um, it, you, you talk about commoditization. I think, you know, in a lot of ways, Google will commoditize search in our industry. Well, Josh, man, we appreciate it. We know you're a busy guy. Thanks for coming on the show. For anyone who doesn't know Smashfly, where can they learn more? Yeah, smashfly.com. We actually just redesigned the whole site. Um, have some new product pages up there and, and feel pretty good about it. So that's the, that's the best spot. And anyone who's really bored out there, just go to the site and talk to Emerson, their chatbot, <laughs> to pass the yeah, time. Exactly. Chad, Josh, we out. We out. Thanks, guys. Remember to visit Uncommon.co. Where the candidate model doesn't suck. Uncommon.co. Do it. Thanks to our partners at TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Remember to visit TATech.org. This has been the Chad and Chief Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next... 
subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.